0: We feel so confident and the benefits that we have are so compelling that uh, we come down in the places that we should.
1: That was Tom Gottschalk, Trial Card Senior Director of Business Development, and today's guest on Trial Card Talk, news and information on the biopharmaceutical and life science industry and the role that Trial Card plays in it. Here's your host and my boss, Landy Townsend
2: welcome everyone to the september episode of trial card talk trial card as you may know is a full service life sciences commercialization company that provides comprehensive solutions that span the entire biopharmaceutical value chain in addition to a foundation of fully integrated digitally enabled patient support services its broader offerings include everything from late stage clinical trial management to post marketing HCP engagement services and proprietary data as a service payer intelligence and insights. Founded in 2000, TrialCard provides commercialization needs for more than 160 life science customers and has connected over 35 million patients with more than $18 billion in branded drug savings to date. The company is headquartered in Morrisville, North Carolina. For more information about TrialCard, please visit us at trialcard.com. Dot com. My name is Landy Townsend. I'm the VP of Marketing and Communications here at Trial Card, and with me today, as usual, is Mr. Eric Manning, Trial Card's Associate Creative Director and the brains behind Trial Card Talk. That's Eric, a, how are you, buddy? That's
1: a bold statement.
2: That is I, a bold I, statement. I, I appreciate it. We can't do but, it without you. That's for sure.
1: Well, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I'm well. I had a uh, just. Uh, case anybody's interested in knowing did have a, a bout with covid about a, a month a month and a half ago or something like that yeah and how's that going a, how are you oh, how are you the, as a result my voice is deeper so i guess there's a silver lining sometimes but uh now everything else is uh, not to diminish the severity of some people but uh yeah it it, it was not good don't want it again so was this your first? Ep- yeah.
2: Incident. Uh, so yeah. after the, the, the pandemic kind of came and went. Yeah, no, I. You I, got I, COVID probably, on the tail end. Yeah, I,
1: yeah, got it probably from a gig that we played in uh, North Raleigh. Um, uh, well, I don't know, month, month and a half ago, and um, it, it was either you, you know sharing a microphone with some with somebody you know which you shouldn't do, um, or not disinfecting uh, a microphone. So, there you go.
2: Today is September 1st, so we are heading into the uh, Labor Day weekend uh, in just a couple of days. Which you
1: had to remind
2: me of. Right? I had to remind <laughs> you. Eric forgot that Monday was Labor Day. So
1: I would have I showed up and uh, wondered where everybody was.
2: Finding a, a day of vacation, a day of PTO, is like finding a 50 in an old old pair of jeans. <laughs> and he just did that. So, yeah. he's pretty happy right now. Eric, any uh, any big plans with your... Newfound uh, good luck to good fortune.
1: Um, I'm going to go check all the uh, pants pockets and uh, the old suits (laughs) in in my closet in case there's any more surprises out there. Uh, No, um, I'm going to. Oh, that's no. I'm I'm probably just going to relax at the house and uh, play more guitar and um, probably change strings and keep learning tunes. And I've actually written. um, I've been my my challenge to myself is to write one a week new song. So, so far it's going, it, it's, I'm, I'm on task. Let's put it that way. Great.
2: We've got a, uh, a special guest today. Uh, somebody who has, has been around for a while and has been uh, affiliated with the product or the service that he's selling for many, many years. Our guest today is Tom Gottschalk, who is a D.B.D. a director of business development for trial cards, clinical trial support division and Tom sells the ever popular RX study card. So, we're going to talk to Tom today and learn a little bit more about trial cards, presence in clinical trial support, and the RX study card. I'll start the car. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
0: Hey, thank you, Landy. It's good to be here today. And uh, yeah, my name is Tom Gottschalk, and I've been in the life science industry for over 24 years in a variety of different roles, uh, starting out as a pharmaceutical representative and also spent time in the marketing departments, um, promoting different products. Been with companies like Burtec Pharmaceuticals, which is a division of Mylan, Merck and GSK. And I was uh, fortunate enough to join a company called RX Solutions over 14 years ago. And I was a uh, client of RX Solutions when I was a product manager and actually purchased their free trial offer uh, offerings And then when they had the opportunity to expand, they asked me to join the company. And I was glad to join the company as a commercial services uh, salesperson promoting free trial offer and copay cards. Then we had a client need that popped up, and they asked if we might be able to help them with a particular challenge they were having in clinical trial supply. And with that question, we were able to evolve into the Rx study card offering. And for the last 12 years, I've been working to try to change the paradigm of the way people think in the clinical trial supply world to go with a new, innovative, more efficient process and put the logistically heavy bulk purchase type process behind them. And so that's where I am today. And I've been able to be a part of TrialCard uh, since TrialCard acquired RX Solutions, uh back in 2019. So I'm happy to be here today. Thank you for having me.
2: Great great and i'm glad glad you mentioned that um, and that acquisition of rx solutions which was a local company uh, you all had some you know your own patient affordability programs but that was really trial cards first foray into clinical trial support of any kind and um, we're going to talk a lot today about rx solutions and the evolution of that product that tom has been so intimately familiar with over the past uh, you know 14 15 years um, but it was really, um, it was really a win-win for TrialCard, and we've seen tremendous growth in that segment um, since that acquisition way back when. So, Tom, um, give us a little bit of an introduction about RX Study Card and, and what its capabilities are.
0: Absolutely. So, the RX Study Card is based on the infrastructure that the insurance platform works off of for pharmacy benefits. So you have an insurance card in your pocket, and that insurance card can do two things. It can cover your prescriptions when you go to a pharmacy, and it also covers your doctor office visits when you're at a doctor. So the RX study card is based on the prescription benefit of an insurance card, and it also mirrors the free trial offer card that uh, I was promoting as a commercial uh, salesperson. So what the card allows us to do is leverage the existing uh, trade channels of retail and specialty pharmacy, and the inventories that they have of commercially available products to help support clinical trials. Clinical trials will need medicines in support of the investigational product. And those products are often called comparators or standard of care or rescue medication. And what they are are commercially available products that are used in conjunction with the investigational medical product or to go up against the investigational medical product uh, in the clinical trial. And what the RX Study Card is able to do by leveraging the existing trade channel is provide an opportunity for sponsors to have less supply process steps, which means less employee time. Also eliminates waste because you're only paying for what's being dispensed out of a pharmacy, and there's fewer risks. And all these efficiencies help to save our sponsors money. So that's a high level of what the RX Study Card is, and I'll be glad to go into greater detail um, in a moment
2: every you know the more i learn about rx study card and and every time we talk tom i just think it's it's a tremendous product um, talk a little bit about t- about how trial card is positioned to help sponsors with their global clinical trial supply needs in in general just you know right off the top of your head
0: yeah on the highest level um, when trial card acquired rx solutions and the rx study card that was a offering that met the needs in the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico. So that was one area that uh, Trial Card is now positioned to be able to help our sponsors with their global clinical trial needs. We now also have a strategic partnership with a company called Client Pharma, who's a leader in global sourcing, procurement, and distribution logistics. That allows us at Trial Card now to meet the world's rest of world need for the clinical trials. And then with the evolution of more expensive medicines that are administered in doctor's offices, such as biologics and oncolytics, that uh, shifted a trend from a pharmacy benefit based reimbursement or benefit to the patients to a medical benefit because the medicines are now in the place at a doctor's office and not at a pharmacy. So trial card has uh, created another offering to complement the suite called trial card pay. And what that allows TrialCard to do is provide an option for our sponsors when the medicines that are buy and bill or medical benefit related are part of the study formulary. So TrialCard's in a position with uh, three different offerings to really offer a dynamic and comprehensive uh, clinical supply solution for our sponsors.
2: TrialCard's Keystone Clinical Supply Process Offering is the ARC study card, as you mentioned. Um how is the this is this is really impressive? How is the RX study card process different from the traditional clinical supply process that we know or that that uh, companies have been doing for for many many years?
0: Yeah, so what has, you can imagine a process. Um, you've got a formulary for a study, and there might be one medicine on that formulary, or in some cases for respiratory, major depressive disorder, and diabetes, you could need. Uh, whole classes of medicine, both brand and generic, many different strengths and dose forms, you would have to have a lot of medication options for the patients to support a standard of care need for a trial like that. The process that um, sponsors have been using for a number of years, decades even, is they would procure a physical supply of the medicine that they needed to support the trial. And that Procurement was based on a whole series of assumptions and forecasting, trying to predict what medicines might be needed, in what quantities, and being aware and sensitive to their expiry dates. So you couldn't buy everything at one time for a five-year study if some of the drugs only had a three-year shelf life. So all these assumptions would complicate the amount and frequency in which you uh, secured a physical inventory. Once you figured that part out, once an inventory is secured, it needs to be repackaged specifically for the trial on which it is going to be meeting the needs of, and then a clinical label needs to be applied to each of those uh, packages. Once those two things occur, different vendors handle the packaging and labeling. There may be some now that do both, but then the product that has been secured needs to be shipped to what's called a sh- uh, Central Depot, and just imagine that as a big warehouse that's going to ship items out and it's more of a quasi pharmacy but it's more of a warehouse as well so that it's called a depot and that's where the inventory is stored and that inventory needs to be managed expiry dates temperature control quantities uh what needs to be reordered and when and all the inventory is being managed there by the sponsor or a vendor in their uh behalf now when sites start getting enrolled, sites need to be seeded. And then once they're up and running, they need to be resupplied. And so the depot is in charge of shipping out orders of medicine to sites. So now you've already had medicine travel a couple different ways uh, through the shipping. So your shipping costs tend to build from wherever the medicine was purchased. It needs to be shipped to the packager. Then it needs to be shipped to the labeler. Then it gets shipped to the depot. And then once it's in the depot, it gets shipped out to sites. So the costs start to exponentiate, even on just the shipping label. That has nothing, the shipping charges, and that has nothing to do with the medicine itself. Now, once medicine receives uh, at the site, the site now has to keep up with that medicine. So they're storing inventory. And they also turn into a quasi-pharmacy because they also have to dispense medicine to patients. And then the sites have to manage the inventory in which they were uh, sent. And then when an inventory gets low, a reorder, a reshipment needs to be requested. So, again, the site now has a lot of responsibility and just keeping some medicine in order to provide it to patients in trials. Everybody along this process has got to reconcile the inventory because you've got to know what you bought and where it is and how much is left and where what you've given away is gone. And, unfortunately, at the end of the study, there's going to be a good degree of uh, leftover medication. That needs to be shipped back to the depot where it's destroyed. So this is the process. You could just imagine going to the grocery store and trying to buy three years' worth of groceries, keep up with them, uh, and then ship them from the grocery store to your house. Uh, and then that would be a simple exchange if you had to ship them something, somewhere else. Uh, and then keep up with all this stuff. And then whatever you had go bad, expire, or leftover at the end gets destroyed. So you could imagine an analogy like that on how much waste could be uh, part of the system and how labor intensive it is to keep up with stuff
2: yeah tom do you have and i've seen um, pictures before where you have you've shown me like warehouses of um, of supplies that were unused that had to be destroyed uh, are there any you know horror stories that you can remember from from uh, other companies who have used the traditional process and have really been bitten you know, from a financial standpoint as well as uh, just the tremendous waste that occurred because of they, were, they were using that old traditional system. Yeah,
0: one of the most uh, significant losses that I heard of was an oncology trial that bought um, $2 million worth of medicine, and then they had enrollment challenges, and they weren't enrolling patients at the rate at which they anticipated. And so the medicine that they had invested in had expired, and they had to destroy over a million dollars of expired medicine. Um, So that's a good example. And when COVID came around, a lot of trials were halted or faced enrollment challenges. So you can only imagine how many trials were affected with a similar story where patients couldn't get to sites for enrollment or for their follow-up visits and a good number of uh, medications were destroyed as a result.
2: Yeah, millions and millions of dollars in waste. And, you know, as, as we uh, as a uh, pharmaceutical partner, as we're held to higher standards with um, going green and and our sustainability goals and, and minimizing our carbon footprint, you know, when you're talking about millions of dollars of, of supplies, you're, you're talking about putting a lot of waste into the landfill, too. And since we're all trying to hold ourselves to a, a higher standard, that could be problematic as well.
0: That sure could. Another place that waste comes into play with this uh, traditional process is you have to buy an overage. Typically, the industry standards about 30% purchase greater than what your demand will be. And that's to have contingency stock. It's to have enough for repacking and certain level of quantities, uh, of which gets sent to sites. It's par inventories to sit at a depot site seating to sit at sites, and some sites might not ever enroll a patient, but yet they have medicine sitting there that could be used. So the inherent overage component to the traditional process is one that doesn't exist with the RX study card virtual supply process because you aren't purchasing anything. There are no quantities to uh, to exploit up. You're only going to pay for what is dispensed out of a pharmacy.
2: Tom, I know TrialCard and RX Study Card have a tremendous presence within the U.S., Canada, and Puerto Rico. Uh, do we serve any other uh, areas outside of those three?
0: Yeah, we do. Um, our industry is yearning for a one-size-fits-all global clinical supply solution, sort of like a silver bullet but due to many complexities with uh, healthcare systems and distribution systems of medicine around the world, that's not possible. Um, So that's where trial card comes in as a supply vendor that um, can offer many different supply strategies, more like a quiver of arrows. And so in the United States, Canada and Puerto Rico, there is an infrastructure in place that allows us to leverage the RX study card and have a virtual supply process. When it comes to rest of world coverage, the strategic partnership that we have with Client Pharma allows us to reach the rest of the world and provide options that are appropriate in each country and region where a sponsor might need to conduct their trial. So between those two tactics, Trial Card is able to well-position uh, full service around the world for our sponsors.
2: Great. Uh, Tom, some clinical studies need to reimburse providers for locally sourced medications, does the RX study card work in these cases? No, the RX
0: study card doesn't work in that situation because the RX study card is based on the infrastructure of the pharmacy benefit of the insurance platform, and that operates in a pharmacy. What happens when a site needs to be reimbursed for a locally sourced medicine, though, trial card can provide what's called trial card pay, and trial card pay is a very similar offering to the Rx study card and that it's going to reimburse somebody for something. And in this case, it's going to reimburse a site or any other outsourced provider for locally sourced medications or a service that was rendered. And the mechanism of which uh, is used for that payment is the existing billing workflow for insurance claims. So in a doctor's office, there's a computer similar to the computer that's used in a pharmacy. and doctor's offices use those computers when you have a doctor visit to submit your visit and get reimbursed. And Trial Card is leveraging that same infrastructure to use Trial Card Pay to reimburse any provider for locally sourced medicines and services rendered. So this means now also that Trial Card can reimburse a site for a medication that is locally sourced that goes through the medical benefit platform. And so that expands the service footprint the trial card can even have within the United States to meet more needs of more trials.
2: You know, we, Tom, we've talked a lot about efficiency, with the efficiency with the Rx study card uh, program and the inefficiencies that exist within that traditional process. Um, this could really help a sponsor save time and money. Does um, trial card and, and is Rx Study Card able to demonstrate the savings that are associated with this service? And if so, tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, early on we just knew the process was more efficient. Anecdotally, we said it's got to save you time and money. And there was a number of years where we really couldn't monetize the savings and efficiencies that we were providing our clients. So we got a handful of industry professionals in clinical supply people that have been doing this for decades. And we asked them to work with us to do a couple different case studies. What we wanted to do was create a situation where we could use a case study to then apply the same types of assumptions to real programs and help monetize the savings and efficiencies that trial cards providing. So the first uh, case study that we had worked on was to see how much time we would save our clients in labor and calendar. And without going into great detail, since this is an audio, uh, the net result of that was we were able to monetize a time savings of 80% so our clients could achieve the same goal of providing patients with the medicines they need in clinical trials with 80% less effort. Then when we talk about the supply savings, not having an overage, a more efficient supply process, Trial Card also then engaged in putting together a case study on what savings might that offer. And so the team that we worked with to create the first case study assisted us with this. And what we were doing is trying to figure out if you had a typical trial, what would the average savings be? The net result of that is about 48%. We'll call it about 50%. When you use the Rx study card, you can save approximately 50%. And the buckets of uh, savings that are provided first are 1% a more favorable price because trial card leverages our relationships with PBMs and specialty pharmacies, we're able to provide the same medicine at approximately 10% less cost than the traditional bulk purchase secondary channel of distribution of the medicine process. Also, when you remove the 30% overage, that adds a significant level of savings as well. So at the end of the day, when you use an Rx study card process over the traditional bulk service process, what you're going to do is save about 80% of the time and cut your budget in half. Now, what we've been able to do is apply the assumptions that were used in those um, case studies for calculating what we can project the savings would be per trial. So we know how many medicines are on that formulary and our level of activity and the costs that we're reimbursing. So what I've done for certain clients is exponentiate for each program the dollar savings in both supply and time. We've got one client that is exceeding $20 million saved just by implementing a more efficient process over the last two years.
2: Wow, $20 million over two years. These are real numbers. I mean, th- this is not 5% more efficient, 10% more efficient. I mean, we're talking 80% uh time savings and, and cutting budgets in half, these are real numbers that can make a difference with any pharma company, be it a, a big company or a small company. The, the numbers uh, continue to impress me. They just don't lie.
0: Yeah, well, even, even while the dollar savings are impressive, uh, one thing that is consistent throughout the industry is clinical supply and clinical operations uh, professionals, they're overburdened with work. They don't have enough time to do what they need to do in a day. So if we're able to provide them a time savings, that really means a lot to the employee that has to conduct the work. The large pharmaceutical and small biotech companies certainly appreciate the dollar savings. But being able to have somebody have more time in their day is almost a priceless benefit.
2: Absolutely. Tom, I, I know I've, I've asked you this before, but every time I hear about the Rx study card and every time we talk and you tell me something new, like a new case study or a new a new client that saved uh, a, a ton of money. I'm always, I'm always struck with the the question, you know, why wouldn't somebody uh, use this process and use this process alone? It just, it's so much more efficient than the traditional way of doing things. But I'll ask you that question again. Why, why would somebody not, uh, you know, use the RX Study Card process in favor of the the way it's always been done?
0: Yeah, so what I'll do is first go back to my days as a pharmaceutical rep and I'll provide fair balance. The RX study card isn't (laughs) for every trial. So um, certain trials need to have uh, medicines delivered in a certain way or they only use investigational medical product or they might be oral dose forms that need to be uh, blinded in some way where tablets are all over encapsulated so they look the same. So the first thing I'll say is the RX study card isn't appropriate for all trials it is appropriate for all trials that need commercially available medications that don't need to be dosed immediately when the patient's first enrolled. So, why don't people use it then for all those trials that are appropriate? What we find in the clinical trial supply and clinical operations industry is, again, people are overworked, just as I mentioned. They have too much to do in their day, so do they want to invest in the time to bring on a new vendor get them vetted, go through the um, auditing process. And in some cases, people are just too busy to do that, no matter how great the savings might be. And so what I have to do in these cases is I just patiently wait until their schedules could allow an onboarding of a new vendor. And we've had great success stories. One uh, was a major pharma company. It took seven years until we could get through that process, but we patiently waited. And now they're one of our largest oncology uh, RX study card clients. Other reasons are a lot of people in this industry are risk-averse. They don't want to be first in line to try something. Well, fortunately, now the Rx study card has been out for 12 years, so nobody's going to be the first, and we've got vast years of experience to bring to them. So that helps to alleviate some of the risk aversion of bringing on something new. But when companies have SOPs and processes in place They don't have to go through any extra effort and that person's overburdened with work and the company's going to give them all the money they need to do whatever they need to do then there's less initiative for them to try to bring on something new like the rx study card and that's been my biggest challenge but those people that do take the time to bring us on board have been very pleased with the service level that all the trial card support teams provide and then the benefits back to them saving time in their day are all positive experiences, and then the company does get to save some money.
2: That was a uh, that was an answer that was uh, complete with just the right amount of fair balance. So you're a first district sales manager for many years ago. Uh, somewhere they're smiling because you uh, you retained that that ability to deliver a, a response with just enough fair balance. So way to go, <laughs> uh, Tom. Uh, as we wind down our discussion today. Um, you know, just a, a quick last question. How would you summarize the ways in which TrialCard really makes a good clinical supply partner?
0: What TrialCard does is we take more of a consultative approach. We want to just hear about an opportunity, talk through that opportunity, see if our service package might be right in one way or another or combination, and then provide you the information as a sponsor to make the decision of what's best for you. And we feel so confident and the benefits that we have are so compelling that uh, we come down in the places that we should. Trial Card also has put together a dynamic team of um, program managers who've got industry experience in the clinical world or pharmacy world. So what we're able to do is bring meaningful value in the day-to-day execution of a program with people who are very attentive and responsive and have relativity to the market in which they're serving. TrialCards also continued to make investments into the clinical trial uh, world by putting into place the strategic partnership with Client Pharma and putting together Trial Card Pay so that we have greater value and more services to the people and with whom we serve. And at the end of the day, it's really about delivering the value. And so that's where Trial Card has invested in the case studies And can help on a month to month basis, help our clients understand the value that we are delivering and monetize that so that they can understand how much money they have to reinvest back into the research of new medicines to help unmet needs for patients.
2: That's great. Tom, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I know you're an extremely busy man and you're out there saving pharmaceutical companies millions and millions of dollars. So, uh, And and, to our listeners, nobody knows more about the ARC study card than than Tom Gottschalk. So it was our pleasure to have you on the podcast today and uh, hope to see you soon.
0: Thank you for your time.
2: If you heard something today that piques your curiosity and you want to hear more, Please check out our entire library of episodes on your favorite podcast platform. Please also subscribe, rate, and review us. And if you'd like to know more about any of our many services, please send us an email at sales at trialcard.com. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Trial Card Talk. Thanks again to Tom, and we will see you next time. The Trial Card Talk podcast is a production of Trial Card Incorporated. It is edited and produced by Trial Card Associate Creative Director Eric Manning. Trial Card Talk and its content are the property of Trial Card Incorporated, Morrisville, North Carolina, USA.